Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we'd like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be reviewing a podcast from DST. Uh, They had an interesting topic that I needed to listen to. It was all about almond moms, fat shaming, and sibling dynamics. But first, my regular segments and also, well, first of all, this is another episode of Craving More. So thank you to all my subscribers. I appreciate all of you. Uh, If you want to support the show on another level, you can leave a rating and review. I know a lot of you have, but you can leave another one if you want to. Uh, It helps us podcasters so much by uh, leaving some stars, leaving a comment. Uh, So if you have a second, please rate review this podcast episode. And uh, I know a lot of you already follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, That's where you can DM me and let me know anything you're thinking. You can give me feedback on episodes any new ideas for episodes. I do love hearing from my listeners. Uh, But first, let's get into my mental health check-in. So this has been an interesting week. Uh, I was doing really like flying high on Thursday and Friday. I definitely know that. The week was was good. I ended up, so when I was, was up in Sedona for my good friend Michelle's um, bachelorette party, I had seen this piece of artwork that I loved and it was big. It looked like perfect for this, this big open space we've had in our living room forever. And I ended up negotiating with the artist and he was kind enough to drive the whole piece down from Sedona and hang it for us. And so that I was so excited to have that. I, I got it for, Chad for an early birthday gift. I mean, I'll get him something else, but, um, you know, I kind of wanted a reason to buy it. And so, uh, and we needed something for our house anyway. So Chad does so much for the house. So it's beautiful. I did put some pictures on my regular Instagram. So my Veronica underscore Santarelli, I think it's Veronica dot Santarelli. And so if you want to see that piece of artwork, it's there. It's, it's beautiful. It's like this prehistoric fish, and so, so I felt like I got a really good deal on it. I mean, it was still expensive, but I, I felt like I got a really good deal. And I cut back on a lot of the sugar that I ate this week because I was getting Botox this week. So this this episode is going to be uploaded on 9-17. So actually, that is next week. So anyway, some of you that have seen my recent Instagram stories, you'll see a big bruise on my eye. So that's from the Botox. Uh, I went to that same lady that I've gone to a few times that does the Groupon special. So duh, I I get bruised because she's not the most talented injector. So, but it's fine. I don't mind walking around with a little bit of a bruise on my face, just covered up. But, um, but yeah, so everything was good until Friday, like Friday. No, Friday was good. I mean, I had a couple rough days at work, but I was fine. And then Saturday, it was like, I got hit with a ton of bricks. I mean, I didn't drink on Friday. I was, I just woke up feeling so low energy and just so sad. Like I wanted to cry at at anything, at the drop of a hat. I was going into work 
and like ready to burst into tears if like someone said my name. And I'm like, it must be hormonal. Like I must be like starting my period tomorrow because I don't know what is wrong with me. I could not stop crying. And Chad's just like, what, what's going on with you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just crying. And I just cried all day, all day long. I, you know, my, my boss at my other job was like, uh, are you okay? I'm like, no. <laughs> like I started crying again in front of all my, like a couple of my coworkers. Very embarrassing, but I'm a crier. So I, I just, it, the tears cleanse the soul. So I just like let my, my soul be cleansed that day. But, um. So that, but it, I, I knew it was hormonal. I did, you know, end up starting my period kind of. I mean, I don't really have a, a big period because of the pill that I take anyway, but the birth control pill. But um, so anyway, so that was hormonal. I feel much better today. <laughs> Today's Sunday. And uh, yeah, feeling definitely better. But um, the other interesting thing that's affecting my mental health, and I, I'm telling you guys about it because you're my subscribers and it's behind a paywall. But I have, you know, I'm, I have a very high maintenance friend in my life and, you know, I haven't had a high maintenance friend for a very long time. I try not to have high maintenance friends in general. That's a very general statement, but I'm very blessed to have lots of good friendships that, you know, like my good friend, Crystal, that I literally grew up with from childhood lives in Florida. We never see each other. We never talk. But when we do, you know, it's every few years, we just catch up and like we, you know, just catch up on each other's lives. And there's no resentment, you know, same thing with my friend, Kathy, that lives in Canada. And my friend, Mike, that is all over the place right now. He's in Maine. Um, you know, and my college friends, like I was just texting with my college friends the other day. And you know, it just catching up with them. I mean, we, we catch up with each other like every now it's been, it used to be every year, but now it's every couple of years. Um, but anyway, I mean, you know, one of my college friends has had breast cancer and just, you know, told me via text the other day. I mean, it was shocking and, and, you know, luckily she's, she's fine and she's, she's good. And I'm going to see her when I'm home at Christmas. I'm definitely going to make time to see her. But, um, but luckily they caught it really early. But my point with that is she was just kind of catching us up via text and, you know, she didn't expect us to know what was happening in our lives. Cause I live in a completely different state and she has kids and she's in the Massachusetts area and we're all just living these really busy lives and we give each other grace over that. Right. And that's, I love friends like that. I love friends that we, you know, my, my, good friend, Michelle, my good friend, Linnell, like that listens to this podcast. Like I, you know, Michelle and I see each other most often because we're the closest, like she's in California and she's able to drive out here. So we see each other the most and we support each other over Instagram and all that stuff. But it's not like I, I constantly am checking in with her or, or she doesn't need that either. And I do have a friend that is does need that. She needs a lot of check-ins. She needs a lot of, a lot of like, I, I think that that's how she judges a good friendship is like, do you know what's going on in my life? And are you there for me constantly checking in with me, asking about things that are going on in my life? And, and, and honestly, she gives that in return. Like, you know, nobody will remember that I'm leaving on a trip in two weeks and this friend will remember that. She'll like put it on her calendar and text me that morning and she'll like have safe travels. So she's so sweet, but it's like this extra level of, you know, like 
support and checking in and stuff that I'm not good at keeping up with. I'm just not good at it. Like I'm not really on Facebook. I mean, I started a Facebook for this podcast because I just, I needed to for business, but I'm never on it. So I don't see when people's birthdays are. Like I've just, I've never been one to to reach out to someone. I never remember anyone's birthday, like let alone my family's. I mean, but it's, so I'm just not that person that just has the the time, patience, attention span, you know, Facebook to check in. I I just, I'm not that friend. Like, I I don't want to be that friend. I don't want to be the friend that's constantly checking in. But I do make a concerted effort for this friend because she does give it to me. So, you know, she does do that for me and I know she wants it in return. So I'm trying to be there for her and show up for her in the way that she needs and it's it's quite frankly it's 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 exhausting but i'm also i'm i'm trying to like i'm grateful for her friendship i love this girl i really do love her but we kind of had a little bit of a not a not a fight but just like this back and forth passive aggressive and then fully aggressive like text exchange and then but we both like recognized what we were doing and we did take accountability and we apologized but like, cause she gave it to me first and I felt it cause she's not short like that. Like this girl now is not, she's not a short, uh, curt person. She's like overly communicates. And anyway, so, so we had this difficult, you know, kind of a difficult exchange. And what I find with this friend is, you know, it, it affects, it affects my mental health a little bit because I get anxious about it and I'm, I'm ruminating and even like I'm really good at setting boundaries, but even when I set a boundary, I find that I'll ruminate on it a little bit because I have that I have tons of anxiety. So I'll set a boundary and then be proud of myself for setting a boundary, but then we'll constantly think about how that other person is taking that boundary. It's it's so annoying. Like I remember my friend Michelle was like shocked when I said that I, you know, work hard not to be a people pleaser and I have those tendencies intrinsically, but I work hard not to be. And she's like, you are? She's like, I wouldn't have thought that you're a people pleaser. And I was like, I was happy that she said that because I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I don't come off that way. But I think a lot of people in my generation and, and older and, and you know, I think a lot of girls in general have always been brought up to be like the good girl and, the you know, you know, make people happy and smile and, you know, be be kind and be modest and all those things that you're taught to be like the good girl and that perfectionism. And so I some of that comes into play when I'm trying to set boundaries. And so so anyway, I it you know, we didn't have a fight. I I but I, I, and we, we resolved the little passive aggressiveness thing very, very easily and very quickly. I do feel like I want to have like a conversation at some point and just say, look, I, I know you need this out of your friendships. And I, I don't know that I can always give that. Like, I remember there was a time when I was just crazy busy and had so much stress going on. And I was, I wasn't being so communicative back to her. And she literally reached out to me. She's like, are you mad at me? Like, you're not really talking to me. You're not. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm so not mad at you. I, I love you. And I just, I'm, I've got so much going on in my life right now that I just don't have the time to like, you know, be reaching out as much. But like, I thought about that after I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's what she thinks I'm mad at her if I don't reach out that much. So that's why I do want to make an effort. But at the same time, I I think I just need to have a conversation and be like, look, I, these are kind of, this is who I am. Like, I'm not the kind of friend that 
has the capacity to, to reach out this much. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I should handle it or if I should have a conversation or anyway, regardless, like I, I love this girl. I I'm grateful for her friendship, but it, it does. I do find that, you know, my mental health can get affected by constant thoughts. Like I haven't had a friend where I'm like, is she mad at me since like college literally. And, and I, and again, I, I don't like having friendships where I'm like, oh, these ups and downs of emotions with friendships. I like to have easy friendships. That's what I like. Um, because I'm the type of friend, like, I will be there for you. If you need me, I am fucking there. Like, I will go out of my way. You need to hop on a call to talk. I will be there. But it's 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 like, you can call me during an emergency and I'm there for you. It's just, but it's like every single day, multiple times a day, texting, texting, text. It's like, oh my God, I have like three jobs and I'm trying to like, this is a whole nother job. So anyway, this is not, and I know that some people don't even have good, solid friendships in their lives. So I, again, very grateful for the friendship, but I did find that that my mental health was slightly affected this week by this friendship. And I wanted to talk about it on this podcast in a very general way um, and a respectful way, because again, I do love this person. It's just... Again, yeah. And Taylor Strecker talks about all the, a lot about this, but that's a whole nother conversation. So I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, I do hope that all of you had good mental health this week yourselves. All right. Now let's get into my diet culture media moment. So this week, I just wanted to do two little snippets from some podcasts that I listened to. One was from Chris Burns, and I was just listening to it before I hopped on to tape this uh, episode. And he, they were talking about Ozempic, of course, and Chris was like, like, I feel like I need to go on Ozempic now because everybody's on it. And he's like, and I keep hearing from all my friends like, oh, I'm getting auditions finally again because I've been on Ozempic. People are hiring me. Oh, I, people are hugging me in the streets. Like you should see how, how good I'm being treated by strangers. And so that was kind of notable. And, and Taylor was quick to say like, no, Chris, like you go on your own journey. Don't feel pressured by people around you. But it gets back to that whole thing, like our culture and the way they treat people in larger bodies versus people in smaller bodies. It's terrible. This is the world we live in, unfortunately. But so, but coming off of that, right, and this whole Ozempic talk, and again, you know, there's side effects and side effects we don't even know yet. So Dr. Peter Attia was on the Skinny Confidential podcast, and he was talking about a lot of interesting things. I didn't do a whole episode uh, recap on it, but one of the things that I wrote down is they're starting to do studies on this this idea of like cravings and he said that so there's all these different levels of ozempic that are coming out like there were the straight semaglutides and then they're making all these different variations of it because of the effects they're seeing in certain situations and and so what they're finding though is that there are some people that could potentially lose the ability to find pleasure in food permanently. That that craving, that ability to crave food and take pleasure in food could 
as a side effect completely go away. Even when people stop taking semaglutides, that is very scary. That is what I was always, I mean, there's many things that I would be afraid of as far as side effects with this, but that would be one of them. And then, so, cause they're, you know, all these people are hypothesizing on, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when people come off of it? And he was reporting, well, there's some people whose cravings go out of control. Like just, they, they stop Ozempic or a semaglutide and they are just craving, 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 like insane, like, like 10 times what it was before. And and it could go either way, right? So that's, and that's the whole thing you see with like people's genetics, right? It's for, for some people, it works this way. For some people, it works the completely, complete opposite way. Um, and so, so that's, that's the thing. Like people that have been on it, they come off of it. They could either, their cravings could shoot off the charts like they did for, like Remy Bader talked about that, how she was put on it. And she blames the semaglutides for making her cravings so much worse. And she says that's what made her gain all that weight. And then there's other people that just completely lose the desire and all cravings for food in general, which to me is scary. I mean, I love and celebrate food and I would never not want the desire. And I mean, granted, my cravings can take over sometimes and it's not always good to be controlled by cravings and you know when taylor talks about you know this idea of going off of it that's what she's the most afraid of because of the way that her cravings and obsession over food kind of takes over her whole life so she might not see that as a bad thing and she might be glad that that happens to her if she came off of it but i think for other people that could be a negative side effect so I think it's important there. I did just do an, another interview that's going to be coming out in a future episode with, I actually interviewed a doctor who was saying that, um, what was he saying? He was saying that, oh, that, that semaglutides can cause cancer. And I'm kicking myself because I didn't ask him what kind of cancer. Oh, I did know thyroid cancer. That's right. Thi- that I already knew that. That actually I did know that the the risks of potential thyroid issues. Um, I think that's what it is. I, that could be there could be another kind that I don't know about. So I do need to do a little bit more research on that. But anyway, again, that that's why it's. I think it's exciting that these semaglutides exist and. Um, and again, but more research is needed, obviously. I think I know people that are benefiting, but then there's all these side effects. So, you know, if you don't need to take them, don't take them, right? I mean, why, why take drugs if you don't need to take drugs? Coming from somebody who loves cannabis. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, take, take what I say with a grain of salt, obviously. This is just an entertainment podcast. You know, go consult with your doctor as always. But um, but I did just want to share that in my diet culture media moment because you have this juxtaposition of, you know, Taylor, who's like very pro, you know, semaglutides and ozempic and is thriving. But then there's a lot of other side effects. So, um, you know, like Dr. Pat Peter Atia was saying. So anyway, he does have a podcast. I forget the name of it, but I think I'm going to go listen to one of his podcasts soon and, and do a full review on it. But anyway, that's the diet culture media moment of this week. 
All right, let's get into my healthy habits of the week segment. So this week I was trying to cut down on sugar. Coming off of my Krispy Kremes last Sunday, I didn't buy any sugar to bring into the house because I was like, I because I knew that I was getting my Botox. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to work out on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So I wanted to try to cut down as much as I could. Uh, and so I did, I had gone out and gotten a ton of rotisserie chickens and some cucumbers and that always keeps me on track, you know, just starting out with a high protein breakfast of chicken and cucumbers, uh, and then having my healthy protein shake. I mean, just those habits of either switching back. So this week I'm going to do salmon. I'm, I, that's kind of my thing now. I'm switching back between rotisserie chicken and salmon, and that's able, I'm able to get a lot more protein in that way. Um, and then having my protein shake with all the, you know, antioxidants, those, you know, consistent habits do get me off to a good start each week. Now I did start working out again on Friday. I just did some yoga on Friday. Again, kind of wanted to take it easy after my Botox and then Saturday, I just did some, uh, I knew I was going to do this Versa Climber class today and I didn't, so I wanted to kind of take it easy on cardio on Saturday because I wanted to have lots of energy for this morning. And so I ended up just doing some, like some push-ups and some kettlebell swings and I did some, some planks and some some other abs with the Pilates ring. And so that was a good toning day. And then this morning, and I posted it on my Instagram, but I did a class that I've never tried before called Climb. And it's on this thing called the Versa Climber, which I really like. I used to use the Versa Climber to get a really quick workout in. Equinox had one when I used to work at Equinox. And there was only one of them, and it was always near the stair climber. But it's, it's kind of like a stair climber, except you also, it's like a big pole that shoots up and it has like, like a, basically these handles for your hands and like a stepper for your feet. And then it's almost like you're climbing up this pole uh, in place. And uh, so this class was at the same place where I take my Legree Pilates classes and, uh, and again, I, I knew it was going to be an intense cardio workout now, I didn't know how long the class, I, I mean, I, I knew it, but forgot to look, double check it before I went into the class. So I, I was like 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh God, how long is this class going to be? <laughs> like, But the music was pumping and I did, I, you know, it's funny because when I'm in my Legree class, they also like pump the music and sometimes I want to just like jam out to it and start moving my body to it. But of course you're supposed to be doing these like very slow controlled movements with this class, you really could move to the beat and like, you know, it's almost like you're like dancing on this Versa climber and, you know, it's so, I like that. And it was really dark. So you kind of lip sync to the, to the song and, you know, pretend you're in a music video, which I like to do. So that was awesome. I, I actually had fun in that class because I hadn't done cardio basically all week. So I was like ready to do some cardio. And um, so, yeah, so that was good. I felt good about that. And let's see, what else did I do this week? I, I cooked my uh, HelloFresh meals, which there was this bulgogi meatball dish that had white rice and roasted carrots. 
kind of, it, when all was said and done, like I skipped this, they, of course, they always give you this creamy sauce to put on everything. I, I never use the creamy sauce, but just the, the meatballs on the white rice with the carrots, it was really good. It, I mean, it tasted like meatloaf, so I don't mind meatloaf. It was good. Uh, it was probably one of the higher caloric ones, but it was well-balanced whole foods. So I felt good about it. And then the other meal I cooked last night, let's see, was it Saturday? No, I cooked it on Friday night and it was like this like onion crunch chicken with some green beans and some mashed potatoes. And so that was good. I, I, you basically just put a little bit of honey mustard, coated a chicken breast, and then there was this mixture of panko and the crispy onions and so I crushed that and, and coated it. Uh, actually, no, it was the, it wasn't panko. It was, no, it was panko. Yeah, it was panko and the crushed onions. That's what it was. I think there was a little bit of cheese in it maybe too. Yeah, I think it was panko, onion, and maybe a little bit of cheese. Anyway, so mixed that up and coated the chicken with it. Mm, it was really, really good with the green beans and a little bit of potato. So that was good. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was my week. I am not, I'm not eating anything healthy this morning. I, I was going to eat a little bit of chicken before I went on the Versa Climber, but I ate so much last night as I'll get into on my tasty treats that I just was not hungry at all this morning. So I went to class on an empty stomach, which rarely happens, but I just, I didn't want to eat anything. So anyway, so those were my healthy habits of the week. I hope all of you had some healthy habits this week yourselves. All right, now for my tasty treats of the week segment. So like I mentioned, I was trying, the keyword is trying. I tried to eat less sugar this week because I didn't want to, you know, go overboard and not be able to do any cardio or any working out because of my Botox. So I was trying to limit my sugar but, and I didn't go out and buy any sugar, but I had these containers of icing. Well, I have the, 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 you know, all the fixings to make the cake as well, but I have all this icing in the freeze, in the, in the cupboard. And so I literally just craving sugar at night, went and grabbed a container of chocolate icing and, you know, I, I take a spoonful and I try to say that's the only spoonful I'm having. But then I go back for more. And so I, there's still some left in the container. I would like to say that. Uh, and it was just a little, it's like a half container. So there's still some left. So I, you know, I took a couple spoonfuls. That got me my sugar fix. But that was not like what I'd call like a real tasty treat. <laughs> that was called desperation sugar. So not something that any of you will really want to emulate. Uh, but I did, but I, you know, I, I tried to keep fairly, you know, eating mostly whole foods this week. And then I did have some pizza and some wings, uh, Saturday night. And then today, well, I needed content. So I'm like, okay, I am going to treat myself today. Now, how do I want to treat myself? So I decided to check out this new place called Paris Baguette. In honor of going to Paris soon, where I'll be able to, you know, really compare the croissant. But uh, they, because I was told that this place had cronuts. And so I went on their website 
And lo and behold, they do have cronuts. So the krona is, I mean, that's a coin term. You can't actually use the word krona. It's trademarked or whatever. So, but the whole idea of this pastry that is a cross between a croissant and a donut. I'm just obsessed with this. And look, Dunkin' Donuts definitely had a decent one. I'm comparing it to the Dunkin' Donuts one that I had. But the real, the closest I've had to a real one, I'd say, was when I was in this, at this incredible fancy ass resort back in the day. I mean, this is, this was back when I was engaged to another guy and we were at this really fancy, beautiful resort and they had a cronut and I tried this cronut and I was like, oh, MG, this is, it was life-changing. And ever since then, I've been on the hunt for cronuts. And so... I, I, my dream is to go try the authentic one, which is in New York. There's a, I forget the name of the, the chef that makes them, but he has a pastry shop, a bakery. And like, I guess it's like you, you have to like line up out the door to get them and maybe pre-order them to get one. But if I go to New York again, I'm going to make it a point to get one of these like authentic cronuts. But, uh, so, so I looked online and they had a few different, they had a couple different kinds of cronuts and they also had the mochi donuts. So I'm like, okay, I got to get some mochi donuts, some different kinds, and I need to try these cronuts. And then of course there are some other pastries that I needed to try too, some savory ones. So the savory ones I got, there was this, uh, like a pesto and cheese pastry, pizette, they call it. So I got that. And then I got this hash brown bread thing. <laughs> so it sounds nice and carby. It's got the combination of potato bread. And I think it has some sort of um, like ham or something in it. So I haven't actually tried those savory ones yet. So I will report back on those. Uh, I did try, I mean, because just because I had to tape this episode, I'm like, I need to try the cronuts and the mochi. So the cronuts were a little disappointing, I have to say. I mean, obviously they taste good. They're, they, they're sugar, <laughs> sugar and pastry and fried deliciousness. So yeah, it tasted good. But when you compare it to the actual cronut, or at least my memory of what the close, and Dunkin' Donuts, I and mean, come on, Dunkin' Donuts is not going to have the best, best cronut, but at least Dunkin' Donuts had layer after layer after layer. Like that's really what I look for in a delicious croissant or pastry like that. I want the layer upon layer of flaky, buttery goodness. And this had a couple of layers, but it was also filled with like stuff, you know, like um, I think one is like a lemon curd and another one has this like coffee type cream in it which I don't love a filled donut in general. The only one I really like is a Boston cream. I do love that. But overall, I don't love any creaminess within my donut. So, so uh, you know, they're, they're okay. I will be putting some of these pictures and videos on my Instagram when I do some posting next week. So you'll, you'll be able to see me bite into it. You'll be able to see the center of it. Uh, you know, I'm very critical about my cronut because I went out of my way to get this cronut and I, I'm on the hunt for the flaky layers of it all. So we'll see. The mochi donut was also a little bit, definitely not as good as that one that I had a few weeks ago. Um, 
these ones were good. So I, I had to try a different flavor. So I got this uh, matcha green tea, which, I mean, I just wanted to try it. So I'm not a huge fan of the combination of donut and green tea. Now I've had, because I used to be so confused. We get these mochi ice cream. If you guys have ever had those mochi ice cream, it's kind of similar a little bit as far as that that uh, gelatin, gelatin texture and like gooiness. And my, I, I was, you know, my ex-fiance would always get the green tea. And I would always be like, why do you want the green tea? And it was honestly because he felt healthier eating it. <laughs> and that, that literally was why. I'm like, because it's not actually healthier than the other ones, really. I mean, maybe it does have some green tea and some nutrients in it because and some antioxidants because of the matcha. But I mean, overall, it's got the sugar and the fat and all that good stuff in it. So so anyway, I just wanted to try it just to try it. And it did taste like, I mean, it tasted like matcha green tea on a donut with some sugar. So not great. I don't love the combination of sweetness with my matcha. I'd rather just have green tea separate without sweetness in it. I don't like sweetness and tea together. I like I like just a, a, a black like tea with no sweetness. And then I got a cookies and cream mochi donut, which was better. It was good. Definitely good. It just didn't have that soft, as soft of a unctuous kind of just that, that real kind of doughy rice flour, yeah, you know, yumminess, that, that soft gooey texture that you want. I don't know if gooey is the right word, but it's that, you know, that, that Asian kind of, um, chewiness that you see in a lot of different Asian foods that that is I don't know it's it's interesting but I need I do need to go to that specific mochi donut shop still so I'll wait to go there because probably to how the original cronut is is you'll never get better than that I would imagine that you need to go to a, a mochi specialist location to really have the full mochi experience so Anywho, so I still need to go to one of those places, so I, I will go and report back. But overall, mm, Paris baguette, good. I'll, I'll, I, I guess I'll make my final determination on a rating uh, after I try the savory pastry. So we'll see. But yeah, so that's I guess my tasty treats of the week. Uh, there are I definitely have more to taste later today. So I'll report back on some of that on my next podcast. And I hope all of you had some tasty treats this week yourselves. All right, let's get into my podcast review. So this week I'm going to be doing a review on Diet Starts Tomorrow, like I mentioned earlier. This one was entitled Almond Moms, Fat Shaming, and Sibling Dynamics. And uh, so this is with host Remy Casimir and Emily Lubin. And so they started out this, this episode talking about how this classic Queen song called Fat Bottomed Girls was being dropped from this, uh, their recent greatest hits album release because it was being, well, from a platform it was being released on, which is a children's platform. And so, you know, and, and this, this platform is specifically, it's called Yodo and it's meant to introduce children to different genres of music. And the controversy around this song was that it was being labeled as sexually suggestive. 
And and at first, you know, Remy thought that this was like a body a body issue, and she's like, "But isn't it a, a body positive song?" You know that she thought that like it not being body positive was maybe why they were removing it. Uh, but really, it's it's more because because the the message. You know, Remy and Emily were like, well, the message is positive. They're talking about how they love girls with fat bottoms. And so it's like, you know, they're saying that it makes the world go around. And uh, Emily was saying that they, the part of the reason was the album art itself was being labeled as not appropriate because it was, it's literally a naked woman, like riding around on a bicycle. Uh, And so, and I guess they ended up, um, you know, they say something about, like Naughty Nanny and just some of the lyrics are very suggestive. And, um, you know, she, I guess, uh, left to, Emily reads the lyrics and she's like, left alone with a big fat fanny. She was such a naughty nanny. I don't even know this song. Uh, and so big woman, you made a bad boy out of me. Anyway, they, they go on and on and on about, you know, the back and forth of whether this song should be removed. And, you know, Emily makes a point. Emily's kind of saying like this shouldn't be removed. Remy's kind of saying that, like, I understand why in, in certain respects. And they they kind of started the conversation thinking it was going to be about body positivity. But the at the end of the day, it's more the sexual suggestion of it all. And they, I mean, they made a good argument that there's a lot of, of like sexual innuendo that just completely goes over kids' heads. You know, even now, I mean, I, I, I relate to that conversation because I look back at things from when I was a kid and things that now that I get that I didn't get then. And it's, it's always funny to like look back and watch movies over again and have just a completely new understanding of what it means. But, um, I mean, they spent a good amount of time talking about this specific issue and, you know, whether it should be allowed and whether it should should not be allowed. And I, so I I did do a detailed review on this, but I don't I don't really want to go over every single line of it, um, A, because I don't even know the song and B, I don't have kids and it's just not a real interesting topic to me i mean i think the idea of it being removed because of body issues and body image issues is one thing but it's just they they don't want something sexually uh suggestive in front of children which i totally understand so i don't think that this is like a big important topic that needs to be discussed they brought it up so i'm mentioning it um but if you want to go listen to that uh segment it's probably the first like good, you know, 15 minutes of their episode. I would say the most interesting part of this episode was the Dear DST that they read. And so that was the, it's basically a listener of the podcast that wrote in and she wrote, I'm the oldest of three siblings and I have one younger brother and one younger sister. My sister and I are seven years apart. I'm 27. She's 20. Throughout our childhood, our mom was obsessed with diet culture and weight. We both distinctly remember eating Special K with our mother. For our breakfast, we'd have, um, you know, Special K, maybe a hundred calorie pack of snacks for a snack. 
and just constant conversations about, you know, what her perfect body would look like if she just lost 10 to 20 more pounds. And so between most of our childhood in the adolescent years, both of us struggled with issues of having severe disordered eating. My sister and in the in the and my sister in the past two years has been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Now, as we enter adulthood, my sister and I have reached a great place in our recovery. We are happier, healthier, and have learned to create some boundaries with our body image conversations around our mother. Recently, though, my mother has made comments to me that she has concerns for my sister, that my sister's boyfriend might break up with her because she's gained some weight. For context, my sister has gained weight, some weight over the past year due to her depression medication. And I I did keep this information away from my younger sister because I just didn't want to trigger her. However, my sister actually told me that my mother's been making comments about me to her and how I've gained weight over the past year. You know, I recently got married in December and my mother knew how much I was trying to distance myself from conversations about diet culture, like shredding for the wedding, which I absolutely refused to do. So as I received this information from my sister, I then felt compelled to tell her about my mother's comments regarding her and her weight gain. We both felt extremely betrayed by our mother and hurt and the topic of gossip in our own mother's mouth. And I just felt so torn. You know, did I betray my mother's trust by being honest with my sister? I felt the need to tell the truth about the fact that I'm not the only one being fat shamed by our mother. You know, how can we get our mother to understand that there's more value to their daughters than the size of their bodies? So that was that was an interesting letter. And, you know, before I get into it, ugh, it would be awful to have a mother like this. And, you know, if any of you have a mom like this, it, it must be really difficult, you know, to have someone that is so obsessed with diet culture. And, you know, I feel really lucky that even though my mom definitely, you know, sub, you know, ascribes or subscribes to the kind of idea of, you know, she wants to, you know, watch her weight and be fit and be thin, but she never like pressure, put that pressure on any of us, like us children. Uh, you know, she always celebrated food and, and wanted to, um, feed us and, you know, food is love in our family. So I feel so lucky that I did not grow up with a parent like this. I would imagine that it must be, you know, that that's where I think a lot of, issues around disordered eating come from is comments from family members like this. So Emily started by saying, unfortunately, this is so familiar and common when it, you know, when it comes to, you know, just our almond mom conversations. And she says, you know, our parents do want us to look a certain way. And she's like, just to address the question at the end where she asked, you know, did I betray my mother's trust? Let me just say, absolutely not. I mean, that's why you have siblings. And Remy said, yeah, to talk shit about your mom. <laughs> and Emily's like, well, siblings are the only people who truly understand what it's like to be raised by those people. And Remy's like, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how you have, you know, she, you have the same experience. So you can understand each other very well. And Emily's like, exactly. 
And, you know, and she's like, you're supposed to be able to gossip with your siblings. That's the whole point. You can lean on each other. You know, you can look at each other and be like, can you believe that bitch said this? So you did not betray your mom. And Remy's like, if anything, she betrayed you guys. And Emily said, I mean, it. it's hilarious if she thinks that you guys don't talk to each other. You know, she's going to tell you that your sister looks heavier and she's going to do the same thing to your sister and tell her that you look heavier. And it seems like she's doing it in a very derogatory way for both of you. And Remy said, I feel like what she's doing is, is, you know, you guys, so what you guys have done is do, you did a great job setting boundaries for yourself around weight. So this is almost like a way for her to circumvent the situation because she can't talk to you directly about your weight. Uh, So because you set that boundary, but she can talk to you about someone else's weight and and her weight. So it's kind of like a workaround to still have these conversations. So even though she's not directly saying this to you, you know, you know what I mean? And I mean, it's like, yeah, she's being very sneaky about it. But obviously, but not really, obviously, because you and your sister are going to talk, talk to each other. So, you know, if it were me, I, I might not have told my sister that my mom said that about her because, you know, I mean, how is this information going to be helpful or empowering? You know, because at first, at first you said you didn't tell your sister about this because, you know, when your sister came up to you, you, you let her know that, oh, well, she's actually talking about you too you know, then it turns into this whole session. So, you know, I don't know if it's a, a, if deserve is the right way to phrase it, but you can tag team and approach it as a team. And that could be more effective than doing it individually. And Emily's like, I think she needs a taste of her own medicine. I think you and your sister need to make a pact that if your mom talks about this stuff again, you just need to shut her down and defend the other person and, you know, just don't engage in that conversation. You know, just like you're not allowed to gossip about your your mom, you now need to be, uh, you, you now need to be in this together and support each other in this. So I think she's just basically saying, like, get with you defend your sister against your mom don't shut it down when that's when that's happening and remy said i'm curious what your responses were when she started talking about this because she is still talking about weight even though you guys did ask her not to have those discussions with you and emily said yeah that would be like me saying to you remy i don't want to have any type of weight conversations it makes me uncomfortable and then you express concern that my boyfriend Andy is getting too thin and and talk about weight regardless, even though it's not directly about me, it's about my boyfriend. And I would just say you need to just, you know, kind of reinforce the boundary when it comes to each other because you both don't like it. You, and it's and it isn't appropriate. You both think it's inappropriate. And it hurts both your feelings. So, you know, speak for the other person, you know, speak up for your little sister and let your little sister speak up for you when she needs to. And, and now this is this, and now this is not advice. This is just a reaction. I really hate this whole narrative where she thinks that, oh, her boyfriend's going to break up with her because of her body. I mean, it's so frustrating to hear something like that because it's just feeding into the patriarchy. 
And Rummy was like, it's also showing where the mom's headspace is. You know, if she thinks she were to gain weight, no, she thinks that if she were to gain weight, someone would break up with her. Like she doesn't feel valuable enough now and, and how it's like, you know, we can make her understand that there's more to her daughters in terms of value than just their physical appearance. You know, I'm sure the boyfriend knows that, you know, she's fun. We've got the same interests. And I mean, he's obviously attracted to her too, but the mom doesn't seem to be understanding that you know, that there's other aspects to what brings value to someone besides looks and and their body. And Emily said, yeah, I don't think she does. Maybe this is one of those times where you don't even bother trying to make your mom understand that there's more to you than your physical appearance, that she should be, I mean, that should be something that's innate. And if that's the only thing that value, that she values, well, wait, let me just take a step back. She's like, I'm I'm sure she values you for more than your physical appearance. I'm sure, you know, she does, she doesn't just see her daughters as two pretty little dolls. I mean, she's your mom. She loves you, but she, she has been brainwashed and she does believe that the most important thing is the way that you look. And that does tie into weight. So I don't know if you can ever talk her out of that line of thinking, I think she wants to break free from that way of thinking. I think if she wants to break free of that way of thinking, it's going to take a lot more than her daughters being like, we're more than just our bodies because she knows that. And she probably, she probably responds like, of course I know that. But she also has these, this belief system kind of ingrained in her head. And so Remy said, but she just doesn't value all the other attributes as much as looks or or how much your body weighs. And Emily said, well, it seems like she doesn't value them as much because she just keeps bringing up the body and the weight stuff and saying that her daughter's boyfriend is going to break up with her if she gains some weight. So I don't think it's worth your time to try to talk her out of this frame of thinking. I just, I think the best thing you can do is keep reinforcing the boundaries when she makes a comment about the other sister. And Remy said, or maybe bring up other accomplishments. <laughs> like, well, thanks for saying I look great, but did you actually know what I accomplished this week? And, you know, make them focus on other things that you're proud of. And if that doesn't resonate that that with them, uh, then at least you vocalize that there are other things that you're personally proud of yourself. And Emily said, this is actually what happened to me before, you know, sometimes I thought my parents weren't really interested in my professional career. And so I just wouldn't bring it up. And they'd be like, what's happening with this mysterious career? And why aren't you sharing? I just didn't think that they were interested or understood. So it it kind of became the self-fulfilling prophecy, but they, they actually were interested. So, you know, maybe if you just share more with your parents about other things you're proud of, maybe they'll focus on that more. And Remy said, you know, I was recently with her friend and her parent and her parent showed me this mug that she had been given, which said, the world sucks, but at least you have attractive kids. And they thought it was like the funniest thing in the world. And I'm like, uh, you still would love them if they weren't attractive, right? And Emily was like, was it just like crickets? Nobody, you know, was nobody laughing at it? 
And Remy's like, well, yeah, I mean, it was silence. And I, I said again, like, you know, so if they weren't attractive, you would still love them, right? And they were like mumbling. And and I was just like, you know, I mean, it's it's like this weird Freudian perspective almost. She's like, why do you need to find your kids attractive? And Emily said, I always saw, I always thought people just automatically found their kids attractive. I mean, look at people with like really ugly babies. They think their baby is the most beautiful thing in the world. And Remy was like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to want to keep it alive, right? That's the whole point. <laughs> and uh, it's a weird conversation. Emily's like, of course, your parents are going to love you just as much. They probably, you know, they probably see through rose tinted glasses, just like a lot of parents do. You know, if, if your mom just keeps going back to this way of thinking and this manner of speaking to you, at a certain point, there's no point in trying to change her. You know, she's a grown woman, but what you can do and what you can control is the boundary that you've already set and just making it very clear that you're not interested in hearing her thoughts about your sister's weight gain or, you know, or anything about anything about that kind of stuff. You know, if that, if that comes into play, you know, just say that your sister has no, there's no interest in hearing about anybody's weight because it's a vile conversation. But nice try on trying to work around my boundary. And so, so that was, that was that. I thought it was an interesting conversation, uh, again, with these almond moms that try to force diet culture onto their kids. And, you know, Emily always gives grace because she did experience that. I mean, her mom sent her to a fat camp and really came down on her for the choices she made for her own nutrition and, 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 you know, what she, what she chose to eat, uh, eat when she was a kid. And so, um, so Emily is definitely on that kind of traumatized side and, and relates to a lot of what these people write in about. And, um, yeah, I, I do think that I'm so grateful that I was born and raised in a, a home that, celebrated food. I, I do feel, feel very lucky about that. Cause I, you know, as much as, and you're going to hear some, some of my next episodes, uh, especially that one with a doctor. I mean, yes, there's people that can live to a hundred and certainly the foods you put into your body, if you're eating mostly whole foods and you're going to live a, most likely that you'll have a higher propensity to live a longer, healthier life. I do think though, I would rather not live to a hundred if I, you know, I'd, I'd rather eat some donuts along the way <laughs> and some delicious pastry along the way and drink some wine along the way than, than live to a hundred. You know, I'm fine dying at like 90 and enjoying indulgent, delicious food and living my life to the fullest because I personally think that that's part of enjoying life. And so anyway, as I keep saying over and over and over again, it's all about the balance, having, you know, having good 80% nutrition. This is what works for me personally, you know, nutrient dense foods, whole foods, but then having the stuff that, you know, I don't know, makes life delicious and exciting. And I mean, when I go to Europe, I am going to be experiencing that culture through the food and I cannot wait. Uh, I was just listening to another Diet Starts Tomorrow where they had a comedy, uh, a comedian on by the name of Bobby Elfie. 
And she was just talking about the need to go more towards body neutrality than body positivity. She's like, I'm just so sick of all these people being like, oh, this is beautiful and that's beautiful and this is what's beautiful. It's like, why do we all have to be beautiful? Why can't we just be? <laughs> so I actually do understand the, the the concept and the point of that. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will have more good content coming up soon. Uh, I, some of the Instagram posts I'm going to be doing won't quite match up to the episodes as I release them just because I'm, I'm getting ahead of a few shows so that I, you know, I'm going to be missing two shows when I'm in Europe in a couple weeks. So I'm, I'm getting ahead, but, um, if you have any ideas for podcasts that you'd like to send me, please DM me at, on Instagram at the diet obsessed podcast. Uh, please leave a rating, a review for this episode, leave some stars, leave a comment, means so much. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week. Bye.